Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Now with Technovision. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Anyway, <laughs> it's I not am... actually with any kind of vision. Let's be clear. No. Yeah, it's audio only right now. Sorry, everybody. But anyway, I'm Joe, and with me is Data, Deck, and Jamie. And today we're talking about Shadows of Self, uh, chapters one, two, and three. Getting into the book proper, wherein we meet a guy named Winston for a short amount of time, who seems to be doing some criminal, weird, artsy, underground stuff, trying to use his allomancy powers to affect how people, how much people will give him. Um, he appears to be related to a very, very uh, important politician. And then at the end of the chapter, he gets his threat slowed. Wow, threat slowed. Wow. <laughs> Let's uh, let's try that one again. He gets his throat slit, which is uh, fun and shocking at the same time, sure. And then we get to drop in our old pal Wax, old pals Wax and Wayne. Uh, Wax is uninterestingly getting ready for his uh, wedding to the Lady Steris, and uh, then Wayne shows up with uh, more fun stuff to do, and they go and chase after a uh, criminal who hangs out in the slums of Elendel, and uh, they trace him back, and Wayne does his Wayne thing and catches the criminal only to be uh, foiled on getting more information by a random sniper who gets his head blown off at the end. So uh, that's what we're talking about today. Hold on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Does anyone really know the mind of the bat? Wherever you're going, whatever you do, a man in the dark keeping watch over you. So poison the ivy with your crocodile tears. We're climbing the vines to the heart of your fears. Can you tell me has something changed? The rewards are zero cause I ain't no hero. Do you know it when you go strange? Is your taunting true? Am I as crazy as you? Check my head, I guess the joke's on me. So, yes, we come back in from uh, – we get another time jump, which I think everyone knew that a time jump was coming after the, uh, sure. the prologue was uh, Lessie and Wax meeting for the first time. I would, but, you know, I, I would have given, like, uh, so much money in if it turned out it wasn't a time skip. Just the whole thing is a prequel? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, no, I just, it's just funny because Joe talked about how much he hated the time skips at the beginning of the last one. So Time skip. I mean, this makes sense, though. Yeah. We cut to 17 years <laughs> later. <laughs> Yeah, maybe chapter two at least wasn't another, you know, yeah. five years, six months, whatever. And we – chapter one is a guy that we have never met before, and as it turns out, we'll probably never meet again since uh, he doesn't make it through chapter one. Nope, sure doesn't. But uh, Winsting is his name, and he is setting up an auction. It says it is an ideal evening to auction himself off, and his, uh, his henchman, his manservant, I don't know. The guy who works for him and seems to be in charge of that's, some stuff is... Uh, it says he's a bodyguard. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He, he's yep. an excellent bodyguard. That's one of the first things it says about him. Flog. He guards a body. His bodyguard is uh, here to tell him that everyone's here. He is... Uh, do uh, Do you actually want us to talk about how he felt about the chapters before we actually get into the chapters? Yeah, I don't know why I did that. You're absolutely right. <laughs> I was, I was I was wondering like uh, when is he gonna stop and ask us about I, I, what we think gonna, about it? Or? Yeah, I was gonna say the 17 years later part to lead into the asking y'all, and then I just started reading because 17 years later is the first word. <laughs> yeah. on so okay, yes. Yeah. Felt off. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. I was like, did I miss that we did that? No. No. 
<laughs> we Thank you. Collect collectively passed out and woke yep. up again. It's like, hang on. Oh God! You'd think after 101 episodes, that I would have the the the, <laughs> the flow of it down, right? Yeah, we're just as unprofessional as always. It's great. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of these uh, three chapters? Uh, these chapters, uh, first chapter was, you know, because it's it's kind of outside or, or I guess our lead into possibly later plot points. I don't have much of an opinion on it right now. This Winston guy sounds like he was a real, a real great dude anyway, so I'm not super, you know, upset that he died. He seems to be familiar with the underworkings of the uh, community in Allendale, though, so he even names wax's uncle by name so that is uh that's definitely something of interest down the line i'm sure but at this point it's kind of just more of a mystery like oh he died and there was a fight and uh it looks like it seems like his bodyguard killed him so i wonder what that's about so yeah first chapter was good the second chapter i was actually surprised by how much i i really enjoyed the lead-in on this story it's like and and it is kind of in that classic episodic western fashion it's like we we come in on a scene of Wax just like reading and Steris like planning the wedding, and we get nice little tidbits uh, of the book that Marsh handed over to to Marisai, and and we we hear a few words about hemallergy and how Marsh thinks it should still be used now that Harmony is good. So like that's that's definitely interesting. I'm excited uh, to see what what else that book has to say. And so it was cool little lead in here with them just hanging out kind of conversationally. And then Wayne shows up in classic Wayne fashion is like, oh, man, we got a bad guy that that's uh, just committed a robbery. Let's go wax and wax like, hell, yeah. And then they jump in a car with Marisai and he's upset about Marisai being there. And, you know, just I don't know. It was all it was all a real fun lead in. And then. To get to see behind the uh, curtain even more on Wayne's kind of method in the second in the next chapter was so great. Like just him being himself, doing what he does, being hilarious, but also at the same time solving the or not solving the case, but catching the catching the bad guy. Great. I really enjoyed the the beginning of this book. The Wayne perspective sections are just so far. Yeah. All the ones we've had are gold, I feel like. Yeah, they're great. I'm curious. So uh, the conclusion that Joe drew is that this book is written by Marsh. Is that uh, where everyone else felt about it too? Because I don't think we've actually have been told who the mm. author is. It's just a book Marsh gave him. So I'm curious if that's I, what everyone yeah. thinks. I definitely was going to ask that question if we had that confirmed because I couldn't remember. I'm, I'm going to go with not Marsh. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. Like, like it, it, he, he refers to says as as that not sazed. I'm just like, okay, so... That could be close to, but not necessarily Marsh. Couldn't, it, yeah, it's like it could be Marsh. It could be Spook because Spook was using hemology to talk to Kelsia. So, yeah, like maybe he's just like, yeah, it's all it's all good now. But who knows? Okay, I was curious if yeah. uh, if, if we'd all gotten. To I guess that's reason. true. Now you guys are messing with my brain. I totally thought it was Marsh because <laughs> Marsh handed over the book and he knows a lot about hemology and yeah, he would. True. So, but I mean, yeah, now. Now you guys are messing with my brain. Maybe it wasn't him after all. When we get there, we'll, ex- we'll like, examine the wording and see if we feel it's Marshish. Marsh is like, okay, so like I've written this book and I really just need someone to read through it because I'm really trying to kickstart a new career. <laughs> you know, being ironized is a little bit, a bit hard. So it's, this yeah. will just set me up for the rest of my days if we could get this published. Yeah, thanks. He needs a side hustle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, like when you, uh, it's like when you set to writing a script about 
two guys who are possum hunters and <laughs> they have a crazy adventure. You think you think it's all gonna be fun and games, and then you sit there and you write and you're like, okay, how how long is the script now? Oh, it's only like ten minutes. Oh no, uh, I guess I'm gonna have to do this and I'm gonna have to do that. And uh, anyway, uh, bonus content's going great, guys. <laughs> In case you're wondering. This is the, clearly this is gonna turn into it's just gonna it's gonna be just like that one the the show the Dungeons and Dragons show that became a, a full fledged animated series on Amazon that's where the mm. Possum Hunters are headed straight to the top oh yeah uh, now that you said it it will never happen <laughs> I mean really my ultimate goal is for them to be on The Simpsons but you know that wasn't that's not as great as an honor as it once was I feel like I mean it's kind of mm. I mean you already have Cletus it's uh, we're, we're pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's what you do, really. Is you make you you give Cletus an adult son. <laughs> no, you give Cletus an adult son, and then he is the possum hunter. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense. He does have a lot of kids. They got to be some grown up by now, right? The the others, the other ones. I remember there was an episode with Sideshow Bob where they had another a, a couple of the other rednecks, and it was like cousin oh, yeah. Mo and big big hungry Joe. <laughs> yeah. I, I just always love the name Big Hungry Joe. It's like, yeah, his my old smell hound Geech, got, <laughs> done gone to heaven, Mister Turwilliker. Got stuck. <laughs> oh, Big Hungry Joe. Oh, I don't see so good no more on account of that. There, what is it? Oh, I forget the line. But then he says, "But I whittles what I sees." <laughs> I whittles what I see. Yep. Sometimes I whittles the future. The future. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry, Dak. Go ahead. What did you think of the three chapters? No, all I can think about is Cletus. <laughs> <laughs> what are we reading? Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, um, chapters were good. I'm gonna get this out of the way now. Fuck Winston. I like I I I hated this guy so much. I'm so glad he's dead, and we don't have to deal with him anymore ever. Just the smug, like, strutting around he's done. It's like, oh, for this auction, you are all bidding on me. Who wants me? <laughs> I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, oh, ah, uh, uh, fuck that guy. Like there's a very so obvious voice you could have used there, Dak. <laughs> huh? There's a very obvious voice you could have used there. What, Zap? No, the, oh, gosh, I've forgotten his Hedonism name. Hedonism bot? That's what it sounded like Hedonism to me. Bot. Hedonism yeah. bot, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> He's like, I'll consider that for future. <laughs> I, might, I might come back to that. I haven't warmed up for that one. <laughs> He's like, oh, you're all bidding on me. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since I've heard he- hedonism, but um, almost, but yeah. almost, <laughs> only slightly, only. Slightly. <laughs> but anyway, so yes, gl- glad he's dead. So. Yeah, obviously that's all very far removed, but like that's clearly going to be the inciting incident of the book. Like they're gonna, that's going to be the whole, like the constables arrive on Wax's doorstep. It's like, Ugh, Lord Waxilium, we need you to investigate this horrific mass murder. And Wax is like, they're all criminals. Fuck cares. So yeah, that was so that was that was a whole thing. Like the yeah, the main thing from that chapter was like, oh, so this guy knows Mister Suit and like knows that he's alive. So that's. That's that's gonna be the personal thing that draws wax into it. But yeah, like the other chap like the other chapters, like with the like I liked the conversation with Steris and Wax, like they they seem to get each other 
even if they don't love each other, they like they seem to be on good terms, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the chase scene and Wayne's perspective was brilliant. Marisai, damn, what are you doing? Like, I feel like <laughs> she's trying too hard with the I don't have feelings for him. Yes, just just throttle it back, love. <laughs> and then like, yeah, she just kills the dude at the end, and I was like, well, someone needs to not be on these chases anymore. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, that was a thing. I feel like, all right, you had time to pull your gun out and blow his head off. You probably could have also shot him in the foot. Ah, when 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 a dude's got like <laughs> yeah, like a blade to her throat or something, you know. The, you yeah, know. glass dagger. We hadn't seen one of those in a while. Right. Yeah, true. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, this was a very like Vin head butting somebody's head to explode yeah. moment, but like at the beginning of the book. Yeah. And it's Marissa, who you don't really expect that from, so it's even more. Like, if you'd said before we got to that point uh, in the in Well of Ascension that Finn was going to headbutt somebody so hard their head exploded, you probably would have been like, oh, wow. But yeah, okay, I can see it. It's also because that act is just such a bizarre concept in and of itself. Yeah. Like, whereas, you know, pulling your gun out and blowing someone's, like, head in, like, you know, that has, that tends to happen in a setting with so many guns. Mm. Yeah, these things happen. What can you do? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I really enjoyed all of these chapters as well. I think, yeah, it was a fantastic introduction to the book. I like that there's already interesting stuff happening. We haven't sat around for a long time. But again, it's not like a huge book either. So we don't really have time to waste as such. The I thought it was really interesting, the the mention of Wax thought he saw Bloody Tan as well. We were mm. talking about that all last book. So all of a sudden it's just a fleeting mention i think he's even discounted it at this point so i thought that was a bit of exciting little nugget to get in there yeah marisai's definitely come a long way in the last 12 months yeah could still be the secret bad guy if she's blowing the head off people (laughs) they possibly want to talk to just putting it out there and look wayne so 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 caring about his hat i loved wayne's chapter i just thought even the way it's been written, it's just the it's written the way Wayne would think. Like I actually believed we were in his head hearing him think about things, which I'm sure we've gotten before, but it just really struck me this time. Just such a uh, stark contrast between how Wax is written and how Marisai's written. It was just really nice to to read that and then watch his process. Like he's he's an odd duck, but he knows his stuff, and I love mm. how we're you know. Just imagine being that guy in the street and having this guy come up to you, swap your hat for some booze, and sit here and go, I'm not copying you, like you're copying me, blah, blah. <laughs> that sort of exchange just would be so weird, but yet he just manages to do it and seamlessly become whoever he needs to become. I just think it's really, really cool to watch. And I'm really glad that he got that moment of, it's like, oh, like, this is the guy you're looking for. Boom, here he is. <laughs> yeah, I, I very much look forward to reading more of Wayne's perspective. He is a he's a bit of a bumbling idiot, but he's great. Really great. Yeah, he's uh he's capable at what he does, clearly. And it it's interesting to me and Marisai is even kind of jealous of it that it's like Wax and Wayne have this such a long relationship that they don't even need to talk about what they're going to do. Wax knows Wayne will go do his thing. So Wax will go do his thing. And one of them will probably hit pay dirt. Right. So that's it. (sighs) Okay. Now we can do the thing that I tried to do early for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, so yes, Flog, Winsting, we talked about him. It's all good. So he has a very nice place that uh, they're doing this auction with a, an awesome view of the Field of Rebirth with the statues of the Ascendant Warrior and the Last Emperor. According to fanciful legend, their corpses had been discovered following the great Katasen, Katashendra. I don't know how you say that. So we got... I, I, I love that it's like, oh yeah, it's just a fanciful legend that their corpses were like discovered right there in the center of like uh, this green field. And we have a term for uh, what the end of the world was called. The Final Ascension, the Great Katasendri... He could he could have used an easier say word. I was gonna say is that a, is that a real world? Is it w- eh, word or do you make that up? I don't know. Now I'm gonna look it up. Cat no, not crustaceans. <laughs> it seems the, to be the great a new crab. Word. <laughs> yeah, every, when I Google that word, every single result is Mistborn related. So I think he must have made it up. Okay. The great. It does crab. sound like one of those made up uh, fakey Star Wars words. <laughs> So Winsting is uh, has an allomantic power to shape shape the emotions of those in the room. Does it say which emotional allomancer he is? I don't know. Anyone not foolish enough to be wearing wearing aluminum lined hats at least. I still love that. It's just you just put some aluminum in your hat, put wear a tinfoil hat, and you're good. You're you're gold. And apparently Flog is a a survivor, a believer in the survivor. He's like, oh, it's a misty night. That's bad luck. He's watching us. The mist are his eyes, my lord. Sure is ruin, that is. That's superstitious people. (laughs) Especially when the superstitions about, like, people that we knew. It's just like, Kelsier's out there in the mist watching us. Which, in fact, Kelsey would totally do. (laughs) No, yeah, absolutely. Sure. He was very voyeuristic in the entire secret history, so. Yep. (laughs) No joke. He's he's just dancing around behind Winston going, hoogity boogity. So he has he's having a big a a big uh, to do, basically, where he's invited uh, many important people and uh, these important people, since they are also shady types, have all brought their own contingents of bodyguards. So it's uh, a lot of people have showed up for this auction and he's like Edward Ladrian is not here. He he refused to call the man by his silly moniker, Mr. Suit. I thought you said everyone had arrived and Flog's like, well, I mean, everyone who said they were coming. So apparently he uh, Mr. Suit did not RSVP. How rude. And so it's, it's basically there's there's crime lords here. There's heads or important members of noble houses who are barely any more reputable than the crime lords when it comes down to it. And then there's representatives of uh, other groups. And they're all bidding theoretically or supposedly on a painting that Winston painted himself. He's like, and he was getting better. There's, there's, Painting must be so crappy yeah. that he's like, hey, I'm getting kind of good. I, uh, yeah, I, I so badly wanted to see, like, this is where I wish this book had pictures because I'm like, uh, at least on chapter headings, you know, that mm-hmm. way you could have a picture of however bad this painting was. That'd be funny if they, they, they just throw a picture in here just so that you could see that bit. And the first guy we meet is Dowser, who runs the smuggling operations in the fifth octant. Most everyone in the room was a despicable piece of trash, but the others had the decency not to look it. Burn, Dowser. Damn. Dowser's like, it's ugly as sin about the painting. Can't believe this is what you're having us bid on. A little cheeky, isn't it? And we find out that what is actually happening is Winston has a vote in the Senate, and he is selling the right to pick his vote for the next year. Jeez, that's really just uh, coming out there and it's... (laughs) Yeah, he's real ballsy, little prick. 
crooked politicians aren't exactly new, but a guy was just going out to basically the entire town and being like, hey, who wants to buy my vote for a year? It's up for sale. That's like yeah. a whole nother level. Fuck this guy. You'll notice the shades of gray on her cheeks, a representation of the ashen nature of life in the pre-Ketacendric world. I'm just going to stop saying that word. I'm going to make up a new word to go there instead, like we did with Meow Meow. <laughs> and a woman with Dowser is like, aren't you frightened that your brother will find out what you do? And he's like, I assure you, Replar knows exactly what I am. The governor's own brother asking for bribes. I had to stop at Replar. Because like I've been thinking a lot about Rugrats lately. Yep, Reptar. And it just, just made me think of Reptar. I'm like, oh my god. Reptar, Reptar. Yep. And I can't think of Reptar, Reptar without the Reptar on Ice song. Yep. <laughs> uh, there's kids on the ice. Somebody call their moms. What's the dinosaur do when there's kids on the ice? Yeah, it's great. I love Reptar. Uh, classic. And so Winsting. Imply, like makes a very vague implication that yeah maybe my brother himself might be open to this sort of thing. He's like, there's far bigger fish than I have that have been sold on this market. And they tell he tells Flog, it's like the woman with Dowser's a spy. I'm sure of it. And like he wants her followed, and if she splits from Dowser for any reason, see that she meets with an accident. And do be straightforward about it. I won't have you trying to find a place where the mists won't be watching. So he's he mingles around with the party. Crime lords and nobles alike. And eventually they start bidding. And after the first round of bidding, he's already like, oh, man, I see him rubbing his hands together. Like, I'm not going to have to limit my spending anymore. Get me that third boat or something. Then there's a gunshot and Flog tugs him down the stairs, puts him in a safe room. One of the bodyguards comes down bleeding and falls down. And Winston's like, what, what's, what's going on? What happened? And Flog's like, I don't know. No way knowing. Happened too fast. We've got to get you in here. And now Winston, who was just so happy about all the money he was about to make, realizes that this is going to be bad. Like, all these shady uh, folks are in his house, and now a bunch of them are dying up there. This is this is going to be hard to uh, sweep under the rug. <laughs> what would the papers say? What would his brother say? And, uh... Flog shows back up, knocks on the door. They open it and to the safe room. They got him in the safe room. And he says, they're all dead. Every last one of them is dead. And uh, Winston's like, oh, maybe that's good. Nobody can implicate us. Like, There's no one left alive who knows that we're here. Maybe we can just slip away. Isn't it in his house or did he rent a place? It says he owns the building. So I don't know that it's like where he lives necessarily, but it's like one of his okay. properties. Right. One of his many properties. And he's like, man, I am going to have to go to my brother. This might even cost me my seat if the general public discovers what's going on. And he's he's, he's very unhappy in his chair and he, he's slumping down like, uh, this is all going badly all of a sudden. And then he says, well, what do you think? And in response, a pair of hands grabs him by the hair, pulls his head back and efficiently slit his exposed throat. And that is the last we see of Winston. And good riddance, bad rubbish, I say. There you oh, go. yeah. No well, one likes to flog. <laughs> I guess it, it does kind of imply that's flog. Huh? It doesn't say outright, but yeah, it does seem kind of like that. It's somebody who's in the room, obviously, right? Yeah, and it, like there were other guards, but I think it was just yeah. Like it's, it seems to indicate it was flog at any rate. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, nobody likes a crooked politician, so uh, Brandon could kill this guy off, and uh, there was much rejoicing. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we get the book that we were talking about. 
I figure I should write one of these things to tell my side, not the side historians will tell for me. I doubt they'll get it right. I don't know that I'd like them to anyhow. I know Says doesn't approve of what I've done, but what do, what did he expect me to do, knowing what I know? I don't, I don't know. We don't know Marsh that well. I don't know if that sounds Marshish to me, but maybe. It, I mean, it, it does kind of sound Kelsey-ish, but I don't know. Mm. Yeah. He, um, like, Marsh seemed a lot more certain about what he needed to do. Even when Ruin had taken him over, and that was when we saw inside his head, he was very much a, I, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. So the whole back and forth thing doesn't sound Marshish, but we didn't see him too much before he had spikes in him, so it's hard to right. Hemallergy is good now, I figure. Says both sides, right? Ruin isn't around anymore. Uh, Marsh doesn't feel like an I figure sort of guy. Like, it's good now, I figure. But mm. uh, but maybe, I don't know. I mean, also, yeah. it's been 300 years. Yeah, true. Also, Spooks, like, Spooks would be writing this in royal speech, I'm guessing. So I don't know that it could be <laughs> yeah, him, but maybe yeah, it Yeah, it might not be him either. If, yeah, he, yeah, if he was sure. a, a big fan of uh, High Imperial. <laughs> so while Wax is reading this book, Steris is sitting nearby. He's taking notes, and she is working on wedding stuff. And she says, I'm thinking of inviting the Boris brothers to the wedding. They're acquaintances of yours, aren't they? And he's... It says, not looking up, still taking notes, he says, I shot their father. Twice. Are they likely to try and kill you? Boris Jr. swore to drink my blood, Wax said. Boris III, and yes, he's the brother of Boris Jr., don't ask, swore to, <laughs> what was it, eat my toes? He's not a clever man. <laughs> Boris III. Boris III. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I assume that Boris Sr. is the dad, right? So One with yeah. Boris, so Boris Jr. is the second? I mean, I don't know why we're having issues with this. It's clearly a George Foreman situation. Yeah, exactly. They're just all George. <laughs> but he numbers them for convenience. Exactly. Like, they all just have different surnames. He says he shot at the father twice. Like, so Boris Sr. got shot twice. He doesn't say he died, though. So, you know. He might the dad. He can't, he can't walk anymore, so he's not going to be a threat. <laughs> yeah, he's paraplegic, you know. Uh, I, I'll put them both on my list then. And Wax now finally looks up. It's like, you're going to invite my mortal enemies to our wedding? We have to, we have to invite someone. <laughs> Just all right. Her blue flowered dress with fat was fashionable without being the least bit daring, and her prim hat clung to her hair so tightly it might as well have been nailed in place. Like <laughs> I, it, it makes sense that Steris is very exacting in her outfits and yeah. uh, how she wears them, how she chooses them. I'm certain there are better choices for invitations than people who want me dead. I hear family members are traditional. As a point of fact, I believe your remaining family members actually do want you dead. <laughs> she had him there. Burn. Well, yours don't. Not that I've heard anyway. I love it. It's that's that's so yeah. Like I mean, your family hasn't said they want me dead, so that's already one step up. And Steris has already invited all of her family and all of her acquaintances that merit that regard. You, however, have given me only two names, Wayne and a woman named Renette, who you noted probably wouldn't try to shoot you at your own wedding. <laughs> He's like, no, she hasn't tried to kill me in years. Not seriously, anyway. That's thanks, Wax. You're you're helping a lot. <laughs> yeah, not making it better. He's like, no, I'm I'm kidding. Renette will be fine. She's not going to ruin the wedding. I promise. And Sarah says, well, and who will? I've known you for a year now, Lord Waxilliam. I can accept you for who you are, but I'm under no illusion. Something will happen at the wedding. Villain will burst in, guns firing, we'll discover explosives in the altar. Father Ben will inexplicably turn out to be an old enemy and attempt to murder you. It will happen. I'm just trying to prepare for it. <laughs> I fucking love Steris. She's great. Steris is great. Yeah, that would yeah. be 
That would be a great scene too, like the the priests officiating, and then he just and then he just pulls a gun from his belt and be like, "Ah, oh, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> he pulls off like a, a Mission Impossible mask, and he's serious. He's actually Boris Senior. <laughs> no, he's the secret Boris the Fourth. Yeah. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Everyone was so busy looking at Boris's one, two, and three. <laughs> yeah. No one expects There's... Boris the Fourth. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He pulls the mask off. He's like, do you know who I am? He's like, no. no. He's like, I'm Boris the Fourth. No, but Boris the Fourth is also a woman. So. Oh, okay. So she's like, do you know who I am? <laughs> He's like, no. She's so like, I'm Boris the Fourth. She spent too much time playing secret bad guy. It's really yep. secret yep. Boris. It's it's all secret Boris. Yes. I love <laughs> Everyone is now going to be secret Boris. Yes. Damn, well, I, I, I already Boris. had a prediction for, for secret bad guy for this book, and now it's just been topped. Bloody Tan <laughs> is actually Boris Tan. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's actually just very bad spelling uh, no I, I, the the person rips off the mask and is like do you know who i am and he says no it's like you shot my father twice and wax is like do you have any idea how little that narrows it down <laughs> like sorry but uh so he's like okay so you're really gonna invite my enemies just so you can plan for a disruption at the wedding and Saris goes yeah i've sorted them by threat level and ease of access and I, I I just like his enemies, uh, Ape Manton, the Dasher Boys, Rick Stranger. I'd forgotten about him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, Rick Stranger. Also, Rick... probably really useful information, and Steris should absolutely be part of this little crew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's the Intel guy. Like, yeah. she would nail this shit. And she's like, I, I've yeah. got a dossier for that right here. Hold on. <laughs> she's like, it's so funny to me because it's like, I, I'm still on that Rick Stranger part. It's like Wax is getting excited. He's like, oh, yeah, Rick Stranger. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, no more about him. Cool just imagining it's like it'll get to the end of the book. There's chaos erupting all around the place, and Wax is running up the aisle to chase after whoever does it, and he just stops the aisle and goes, oh, hey, Rick Stranger. How you doing, man? Thanks for coming out. <laughs> Good to see you. Ah, uh, it means a lot. He, like, he gets shot by Rick Stranger, and, like, as he's going, oh, Rick, you came. It means a lot, man. <laughs> uh, apparently, and I just had to look this up because I was just like, that's a cool name. Where'd that come from? Uh, it's a cameo for one of his friends. Uh, oh, fucking course it is. But instead of the guy's actual name, which is Ben Olsen, <laughs> that's the name of one of his role play characters that I guess he plays. Rick like Stranger? A, an RPG, yeah. Oh, my God. Cool. It's like, it's my friend from home, Pete. I'm, I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna use that I'm gonna steal this name for the Rick next D and D character sure. I roll. Yeah. Or Ape Ape Manton. That's also a good one. Yeah. For the Arrested Development fans and the listening audience, my a friend of mine we were playing D and D, and I was halfway through our campaign before I realized where his character's name came from. Uh, he named his character Cherith Cute Story. <laughs> that is hard? a uh, that is a direct reference from Arrested Development. No, he was a fighter, I believe. I feel like someone named Cute Story should be a bard. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, well, I mean, Cherith Cute Story is a huge made-up fake name from Arrested Development, so. Okay. I never watched Arrested Development, so I'll take your word. Mm-hmm. I don't remember that one from it. I only watched bits. Wax is like, where did you get these? And she goes, your exploits are a matter of public record, one that is of increasing interest to society. And he's like, how long did you spend on all of this? Like, there's stacks. And she's like, I wanted to be thorough. This sort of thing helps me think. Besides, I wanted to know what you'd spent your life doing. 
And he says, that was actually kind of sweet in a bizarre Starris sort of way, which was exactly my thought. Like, that's kind of sweet in like a weird Starris way. I love it. That's just how she operates. Like, I think I think that's great. It's it's awesome. Cause, yeah, considering where we were at the start of the last book on Starris, like it's a complete like, man, she, she's awesome. You keep doing you, lady. Yep. And he, he finally says, invite Douglas Venture. So the Venture family is still around. He's kind of a friend, can't hold his liquor. You can count on him making a disturbance at the after party. Yeah, he's got two sons that are actually clones. He's great. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, okay, what about the other 37 seats in your section of the church? 37? No. <laughs> nope. In a row? <laughs> uh, invite the leaders among the seamstresses and forge workers of my house and the constable general of the various octons. It will be a nice gesture. See, that is kind of nice. He's like, you know what? Invite, like, the the leaders of the workers. Like, that'll the, they'll... Uh, who who like uh, work for House Ladrian? And she, he, she's like, you know, if you want more help planning the wedding, and she's like, no, no, the formal request to perform the ceremony that you sent was the only task required of you by protocol. Well, she's isn't that nice? Like the groom has to do one thing for the wedding, and then uh, somebody else does all the rest. You've done your job. Get out of it. <laughs> Let me plan this thing. <laughs> well, to be fair, planning does seem to be what she does best. It's, yeah, absolutely. Mm. But no, I'm just saying, if you knew how many centerpieces that I had to construct, it's just, it's. Uh... <laughs> yeah, my my contribution to the wedding was more financial as opposed to mm. planning and constructing. See, our wedding, we, we ran off to Vegas to get married so that I, we wouldn't have to, like, have a big thing. And then family started getting all upset. And so then we had to have, like, a sort of pre-wedding party for which we had to go and do a bunch of stuff that we didn't want to do in the first place. So yes, that's what yeah, I did. Yeah, I remember that. I was there. But it was Vegas themed. So that was fun. We had to buy, we bought like all these, these square glass containers to put like flowers in for the centerpieces and then spray painted them to look like dice. It was kind of cool. That's cute. Nice. Uh, fun times. Jack, you're awfully quiet on uh, what your <laughs> wife made you do for the wedding. <laughs> it was fine. <laughs> I like to think I was pretty chilled out, but I did make my bridal party wrap pencils. We we had a game at the tables of, like, getting to know the people at your table. Mm-hmm. And everyone filled in their little game cards and we kept them. And then on our anniversary each year we read them and they're just a barrel of laughs and they're really fun. Oh, that's super cute. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was lots of fun. But so we had these little sheets and we had these pencils and the pencils were bright red and they were all tied to the, the sheet. And I didn't want red pencils, so I made, not made, asked very nicely, <laughs> my, my beautiful bridesmaids, to wrap 100 pencils in Timber Look contact paper. Could you have bought some new pencils? No. I mean, we couldn't find any that weren't red. If wow. I had more time, we probably would okay. have just ordered them. But it was, yeah, it was more just like buying them in bulk. And we wanted yeah. we wanted the like those like the short pencils that you you know basically golf pencils yeah no I got you um, rather than giant ones which is like well now we yeah. got all these pencils which are huge and would cost more if we had yeah if we had left more time yes you are absolutely right we probably would have just ordered other pencils or taken a bunch from IKEA because <laughs> that was exactly what I wanted <laughs> yeah we would have to scratch the IKEA logo off though nah it's fine nah whatever. <laughs> Here's the, it's the new theme for the for the uh, the event actually. It's just uh, IKEA theme wedding. Yeah, you get to come like build your own chair and <laughs> it'd be wonderful. That would actually be really entertaining to watch. Especially after uh, the amount of 
alcohol that was consumed at our wedding. Oh, my shit. (laughs) (laughs) Then you ran out of tequila and fireball. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Well, they wanted to do table shots, and now oh, for fuck. any anyone out there who is uh, married, you have the the photos of the people sitting at your table. That's what they meant by table shots. And a couple of our grooms were like, yeah, grooms, <laughs> One of whom um, is married. And so the waitress came over and went, "Would you like a round of shots for the table?" And that just started the entire tone of the yes. night. All of a sudden, it was no one yeah, cared. Sure. But it was only yeah, beer wine and stuff included. They were buying shots. They were buying <laughs> spirits. It, mm-hmm. it, yes, yeah. the, recep- the reception the started with the bridal table right in the middle of all the other tables doing a shot of tequila <laughs> while all the other tables around them just went, yeah! <laughs> That's amazing. Why not? The venue must have Definitely loved y'all. Oh, the venue was uh, so happy. <laughs> I'm sure they were quite happy, yeah. <laughs> I shudder to think how much was spent on right? booze that night. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's amazing. I love this. That's n- next wording I go to. Just go to the center table. Like, first thing, who wants to do shots? <laughs> Not me, but yeah. you guys. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you say, who wants to do shots? They all drink a shot. And then you meant, I meant like photographs. But yeah, this is cool too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. But I, I like that Asteris wants to know what's in that little book you keep perusing. And he's uh, he doesn't have time to answer. Because Wayne busts in, basically, and the new butler is, like, following behind all apologetic. Wayne does not like butlers anymore, is what we is what he's determined. <laughs> We're Wayne, beady little... Yeah, beady little buggers. Yeah. A, a butler tries to kill him one time, and now he's, like, all of a sudden, just, like, hashtag yes all butlers. <laughs> hey, I mean, uh, that, that all it takes is one time, man. I don't blame him. Given how few butlers he's met, it was like 100% of the butlers he'd met had tried to kill him at that point. <laughs> Probably. I, I, I don't know that for certain, I guess. Uh, it's like, you could try the doorbell sometime, Wayne. Nah, warns the butler. Beady little buggers, can't trust him. Look, Wax, the marksman has made his move. And Wayne says, hello, crazy, to Steris, who says, hello, idiot, nodding back to him. <laughs> I like that exchange. I thought that was really cute. <laughs> it's like they have come to accept each other. Right. They, yeah, they clearly spend enough time with each other that they're comfortable to talk like that as well, which is <laughs> nice. It's like years ago, uh, a bunch of friends of ours were over in Canada uh, for a wedding, and the uh, they, they were just it's some tiny little town where like everyone knew each other apparently, and all my friends were talking to each other as Australians were to the point where the Canadian bar stuff. The Canadian bar staff was like, are you guys actually friends? Because they just all of a said, wait, dickhead, you want another drink? Yeah, sure. Thanks, <laughs> fuckhead. Yep. I believe that. Uh, so Wax is go- moves to leave and then looks over at Steris and she's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's, go ahead. But do try to avoid being shot in the face as we have wedding portraits to sit for this evening. Get shot anywhere else. That's fine. Just not your face. Yeah, right. Yeah. And to be fair, in the weeks leading up to anyone's wedding, I think that is the thing. Whatever you do, just. Don't get hit in the face. Yep. Yeah. Paintball's don't fine. Get don't face. get hit in the face. Don't, uh, you know, don't make anybody mad where they have to, they hit you in the face. Don't get shot in the face. Don't get, like, you know, tips on your hair to make it look all weird because it looks cool. <laughs> Doesn't look I, cool. I, I, I feel like legs are probably should also be off limits because you don't want to have them limping up the aisle. Mm. Sure. Probably true, yep. Can't see a limp in the photos, though. True. So yeah. limp is preferable f- to... You'll Black forget. Eyes. Yep. Yeah, okay. Or that's half fair. a face missing. 
she says, what, uh, keep an eye on my sister while you're out there. And he's like, oh, no, this is a dangerous chase. She's not going to be involved. And Stara says, if you think that, then your professional faculties are suspect. She will find a way to be involved. And there's this, this, this moment as he's leaving and he looks back and they meet eyes. And he's like, I feel like there should be more, something more here, like some sort of fondness in this parting. And they can both sense it, but neither of them says anything. And he just goes. And they run out to what Wax thinks is going to be a coach. And then he goes, what the hell is that? And Wayne says, motor car. And Marisai is, she's not at the wheel. She is behind the steering mechanism, wearing a fashionable dress of lavender and lace. We find out she's five years younger than Steris. So there's some information. She is now a constable, technically, he says, an aide to the constable general of this octant. She left behind her lawyer career to join the the Connors, as Wayne calls them. And uh, Wax is like, what are you doing here? And she says, driving. You'd rather Wayne did it? I'd rather have a coach and a good team of horses. Stop being so old-fashioned. Captain Reddy thinks Marksman will run for his hideout in the seventh octant. And Wax says, Reddy's wrong. Head for the breakouts. And uh, he, he starts driving. The vehicle's picking up speed. One of, the, one of the new ones with rubber wheels and a gasoline engine. One of them newfangled machines. And I, I love Wax. It's a horrible, lifeless heap of destruction. What do you really think, Wax? Come on. Damn. And then he tells Marisai she should not be here. You trained in as an attorney. You belong in a courtroom, not chasing a killer. I've done well for caring for myself in the past, and you never complained before. Each time it felt like an exception, yet here you are again. And she's like, what's wrong with you lately? You complain about the motor car, you complain about me, about your tea being too hot in the morning. One would almost think you'd made some horrible life decision that you regret deep down. I wonder what it could be. This is, uh, this is awkward. It's kind of catty and weird. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and take this time, not because of specifically what was just said, but because of, you know, the the shooting of the head later on and and these little moments here to kind of jump on the Jamie bandwagon and say, like, I think Marisai is going to be like a bad guy eventually. Oh, it's going to grow bitter over uh... spurned and yeah. angry and wanting to prove herself. And, you know, it's not uh, it's not going to be great. Wayne, we had another weird Wayneism where uh He's like, I know what mistake she's talking about. You really should have bought that hat we looked at last week. It was lucky. I've got a fifth <laughs> sense for these things. Mar- Marisai oh, says Wayne. fifth. And he says, yeah, can't smell worth a heap of beans. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't count that as a sense because I can't smell. <laughs> I, w- I want to remember to use that at some point. It's like, I've got a fifth sense for these things. I'm just like, I want to know what happened to lose his sense of smell. He's clearly about to tell the story when Wax cuts him off. <laughs> I don't think I believe that he. I don't don't think I believe that's true. I think he he was just about to go on a stupid, crazy Wayne rant. That's also good. And then they they catch sight of Marksman, who, as we find out, is a coin shot, and he's uh, leaping down the thoroughfare, bouncing along on the uh, the light poles or whatever. Good criminal name for a coin shot, Marksman. Yeah, Marks likes to be seen. I like to think. I can't remember where it was, but I feel like in one of the previous Mistborn books, they mentioned that coin shots are a comparatively rare kind of misting. And I feel like, no, they're not. They're like the most common ones we see. I think it was the last book where he says that. Aside from maybe thugs. Well, we had this discussion, I think, uh, towards the end of that last book about like which one we thought had shown up more most often. And I think everyone, I think you guys all agreed that coin shots seem to be the most common. Yeah, because here's another one. Jeez. But in the last book, 
towards the beginning of the book, Wax is like, coin shots are rare, but they're not that rare. You, they're used as like high-speed courier, couriers in Ellendale, so you, people are used to seeing them kind of fly up and down. Ah, uh, okay. So maybe maybe it's like a relative thing that, you know, Alamancers are all kind of rare, but they're not maybe that rare. I don't know. Just compared to the normal population. Marksman fancies himself a gentleman rogue. And Wax is like, keep this thing contraption moving steadily if you can. He shoots a bullet into the ground to push himself off of and is heading after Marksman using his own steel pushes. Marksman always performs his robberies in daylight and always escapes along the busiest road he can find. Like He likes the notoriety, probably felt invincible. Being an Alamancer could do that to a man. So Marksman is wearing red with a busker's mask covering his face, black with white tusks like a demon of the deepness from old stories. I wonder where that came from. That's from people trying to decipher Spook's uh, High <laughs> Imperial. Yeah. <laughs> All of a sudden, the rumors of the tentacle monster have you know, gone through history. It's evolved to tusks. <laughs> and apparently, according to the appointment book he'd stolen from his uncle, Marksman is connected to the set. So that is why Wax is so interested. And uh, so Marksman throws some coins back at him, which he has to shove aside, which sends them to send them out of the way of a random motor car below, which swerves and loses control about to go into the canal. So in order to save them, he pushes out over the top of them and then makes himself way heavier, 20 times heavier, coming down on the hood of the motor car hard, smashing it into the ground to stop it before it can go into the canal. That's whiplash. Yeah. They're not going to be happy about that probably because their car just got totaled, but uh, you're alive. So, you know, there's that. Yep. And he sees Marksman head into one of the short skyscrapers along the road here. And so he catches up. He throws a coin towards the window and then gunfire sprays back out. So I guess that was kind of a distraction because then he increases his weight and smashes through his own window that he's next that he's right next to him and shoots through the wall into that next room where Marksman is Lock put. He's using vindication. So he gets one of those haze killer rounds in the special uh, chambers ready. And it goes through the wall, and when he gets to the next room, he finds a pool of blood and a discarded submachine gun. So that's, uh, that's some serious weaponry. I don't think that we've heard of a machine gun before now, except for maybe unless you count the rotary gun. And there's men and women pressed against the floor, like, terrified, because, yeah, bullets have just been flying back and forth through this room. And one of them points out which way uh, the marksman went, so Wax heads off. And they get they get a confrontation where Marksman's like, there's a thousand criminals in the city far worse than I am, and yet you hunt me. Why? I'm a hero of the people. And Wax says, you stopped being a hero weeks ago when you killed a child. That wasn't my fault. You fired the gun. You might not have been aiming for the little girl, but you fired the gun. This is the moment where I realized the Marksman is not the bad guy for the rest of the book. I'm just like, okay, he's going down. He's like the starter bad guy for this. <laughs> the starter because he's, he's just like, oh, I'm a hero of the people. I'm like, well, the main villain of the last book was like was on a similar sort of tangent, and that was meant mm. to be the dark reflection of Kelsia. So we're not doing that again. So you're clearly going down before we get to the real story. And he did. Yep. I thought you were going to be like, if you killed a little girl, you can't you can't get away with living uh, any longer. So I mean, that was definitely the hope as well. But uh, OK, so, yes, uh, Marshman heads back out. Wax pursues him, grabs a bunch of pens. And so they're heading for the slums. They're just ahead. And Wax thinks he's going to have him on the next bound. And that's when he sees a face in the crowd, which causes him to lose control of his push. Because it's just so amazing that he he can't 
believe what he's seeing. He thinks that he saw the face of Bloody Tan in the crowd. The last time he'd seen that face, he'd shot it in the forehead. The man who'd killed Lessie. And he runs up to the crowd. He's like, there was a guy here, long fingered, thin hair, face like a bear skull. Did you see him? Did anyone see him? Which you would think you would notice a guy like that, right? But uh, everyone just stares at him like he's crazy. And Wayne and Marisai show up and they're like, what happened? Did he knock you from the air? And Wax's like, yeah, something like that. And Marisai's like, oh, so he got away. And Wax says, not yet. He didn't. He's bleeding and dropping money. He'll leave a trail. Come on. And then in the beginning of chapter three is Wayne having a very heartfelt, uh, it's like, I need you to stay behind while we go in the slums. It's not that I don't want your help. I do. This is just going to be too dangerous for you. You need to stay where I know you're safe. Wayne, stop talking to your hat and get over here. (laughs) Just, (laughs) oh, Wayne in his hat. Can't risk another lucky hat. Like, let's, let's be clear. Do we know if he got back his lucky hat after Tarson got shot while in the head while wearing it? I don't recall. Yeah, I think so, because... Because, uh, yeah, because they talk it. about it later, yeah, it still had blood, and then uh, also okay. there was a hole in it or something. <laughs> Wax was a right good fellow, but there were a lot of things he didn't understand. Women, for one. Pats, for another. So he finds a, a guy nestled in a doorway with a ratty blanket on him and his lungs half full with various unsavory fluids. <laughs> it's nice. And the guy says, what now? Who are, who are you? To Wayne as he settles up beside him, and Wayne just keeps starts copying. What now? Who are you? I'm nobody dirty outer. I ain't done nothing. And I just Wayne keeps repeating to try to get this accent. It's a good accent that was. Real mumbly. A classic vintage wrapped in a blanket of history. So he offers the guy a flask of whiskey. And uh, the guy's like, so, you're an idiot? I have a son that's an idiot. The real kind that was born that way. You seem all right anyway. He wordlessly offers to trade the guy his flask of whiskey for the guy's old cotton cap. And the guy's like, you really are an idiot. Could you say another word that starts with H for me? Huh? Rustin, wonderful. It's just <laughs> Wayne and his accents. I love him. And so he sees Wax and Marisai talking to women and trying to be like, hey, have you seen this guy? And everyone's like, no, we don't know anything. He came running past here just moments ago, Wax would say, surely. And they would say, no, we don't We don't know nothing. We didn't see nothing. And he sidles up to uh, a group of men in dirty clothes sitting under an awning while eating bruised fruit. It's like, who's those, who are those outers using that accent he just picked up? Connors, for sure. They never cared about us and never will. If they did, they'd do something about all these factories and power plants dumping ash on us. We ain't supposed to live in ash anymore. Harmony said it, he did. That is kind of sad. We're having like an industrial revolution type situation here, and they're like, we're living in ash again. I mean, they don't know what it's like to really live in that ash, but uh, it's not fun what they have. Make it doesn't no. make it good. Yeah. No. And Wayne is sitting here thinking, like, this really is worse than normal. It's they, they shouldn't have to live like this. But what he says is they are looking for something. Maybe there's money in it. And one of the guys who he just calls Bullhead because of his haircut, it's like, you turn in one of our own. I recognize you, Edip's son, aren't you? And Wayne doesn't say anything. Don't trust a Connor and don't be a rat. I ain't a rat. Sometimes he was, I mean, he wasn't, but sometimes a man just needed cash. I love that he's thinking like his character so hard. He's very method, as we talked about before. And when Wayne brings up, he's like, they're after marksmen. There's a thousand notes on his head. There is. He killed that girl. And Bullhead says, that's a lie. Don't you go talking to the Connor, son. I mean it. Uh, So when the group breaks up and Bullhead wanders off, Wayne follows him. But he, he makes sure that he's not seen, or at least that he looks like just another homeless drunk if Bullhead does see him. And sees what building the guy goes into. 
and then sneaks up on the outside and uh, he can hear the discussion going on. And the guy, Bullhead, is like, it's a thousand notes is a lot, Mark's a whole lot. Now, I'm not saying you can't trust the lads. There's not a bad alloy in the bunch. I can say that a little encouragement will help them feel better about their loyalty. <laughs> bad alloy. Look at their look at their words. Ratting out a friend completely off limits. Extorting a friend, well, that's just good business sense. <laughs> and if Marx didn't act grateful, then maybe he hadn't been a good friend after all. I love this this outlook. This is amazing. And so he tosses up a speed bubble as he jumps through the window and has very luckily managed to catch just Marksman. The man still wore his red trousers, though he'd removed his mask and bandaged his shoulder. He displayed a, a surprised face with bushy eyebrows and large lips. No wonder he normally wore a mask. Ouch. So Wayne knocks him out with a punch and then turns, but he has caught the other half a dozen occupants of the room outside the speed bubble. And that was right lucky. So he throws Mar- uh, Marksman over his shoulder and he takes off. And then we come back to Marisai and Wax. Marisai's like, here, let me talk to the next ones. I'm I'm good at this. Just, just stand back. We're looking for a man, she tells this group of youths. If you need a man, one of the boys says, looking her up and down, I'm right here. Ugh. Oh, please. You're what, nine? Hey, she knows how long it is. Have you been peeking at me lately? Oh, this, oh my gosh. This is just vile. It really, yeah. <laughs> and so she's going to, she pulls out some coins. She's going to try and bribe the kid. And this is when Wax pops in and he's just like, he takes a coin and pushes it up in the air, just so high that it's gone. And says, talk to the lady. Stop wasting our time. And they run off. No one wants to mess with an Alamancer. And Mare says, like, thank you very much. That was just so helpful. And she, he was like, well, they were going to lie to you anyway. And we were drawing the wrong kind of attention. I realized they were going to lie. I was going to catch them in the lie. Attacking someone's false story is one of the best methods of interrogation. And Wax says, actually, the best method of interrogation involves a drawer in somebody's fingers. And she goes, no, actually, it doesn't. Studies have showed that forced interrogation results in bad information almost all the time. What's wrong with you today? And she has her whole theory about, I, you know, when you were out in the roughs, you acted like the gentleman lawman. And now that you're back in civilization, you're acting like the roughs lawman, bring a little old fashioned justice to the city. And she's like, you've, you've thought about this, that a lot. And she's frustrated. She's like, he thought she was infatuated with him. Arrogant, brutish, idiot. She was not infatuated. And they find Wayne just uh, hanging out, eating his apple. Where have you been? Apple? It's not too bruised. (laughs) Some of us have been trying to find a killer. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Took care of that for you. You took. Wayne, that's a person at your feet. And he's bleeding. Not my fault at all. I did knock him upside the head, though. And I love that. Wax looks at Wayne, nods, and they share an expression that they often exchanged. The closest Marisai had been able to figure it meant something between nice work and you're a total git. I wanted to do that. <laughs> and Marisai looks at Wax and she's like, you aren't going to ask how he did this, where he's been? And Wax is like, Wayne has his methods. In a place like this, they're better than mine. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's got his own thing going on. We don't got to know everything. You knew we weren't going to get anywhere asking questions. He's like, I suspected, but Wayne needs space to try his methods. On account of my being so incredible, <laughs> in in case Wayne failed, which never happens, Wayne says, except that one time and that other one time. But those don't matter on account of me getting hit in the head often enough that I can't remember them. Wayneisms, they're just they pile on top of each other. It's just so weird. Also, not shocked that Wayne has been pummeled in the head a bit. No, yeah, not at all. Yeah. And Marisai's like, well, I mean, you could at least tell me what you did. Maybe I can learn from your methods. And Wayne says, nah, it won't work for you. You're too pretty in an unpretty sort of way to me, mind you. Let's not go around that again. (laughs) 
So you can never tell when he's trying to be insulting or when he's trying to be endearing. It's true. It, it just runs together so much. Wayne, sometimes you completely baffle me. Only sometimes? Wax says. I can't give her all I got, mate. Kind of save some for everyone else. I dole it out on with no respect for privilege, class, sex, or mental capacity. I'm a rusting saint, I am. Did you make some of the people talk? Nah, I made them not talk. They're better at that. Comes from practice, I suspect. <laughs> I mean, he's not lying. It's, it's, it's just... <sighs> Wax stiffened. Wayne did as well. Marisai says, what? Just as Wax drops Marksman and reaches for his pocket. And Wayne shoves his shoulder into her, pushing her out of the way as something zips down out of the air and hits the paving stones. More projectiles followed as Wayne drags her into cover. Wax drops a coin and takes off into the air like one of the ancient mistborn from the legends. Not a creature of law, but a sliver of the night itself come to collect its due. Very poetic. And Wayne says, ah, hell, and nods to Marksman, who now has a uh, wooden shaft sticking out of him. Arrow? Crossbow bolt. Haven't seen one of those in years. You really only need them for fighting Alamancers. And he says, uh, stay here, and takes off, and now they're both gone. And she's like, damn it. Obviously, someone didn't want Marksman captured and spilling what he knew. Maybe she could learn something from the corpse. So she goes up and starts looking at the corpse as she's thinking, man, you know, uh, the assassin was lucky. There's no way that he could have known he'd hit a killing blow with the first shot. If I were looking to make sure Marksman was finished, I'd certainly have. She heard something click behind her. Double back and check. Should have thought of that before you ran out there. Yeah, especially after Wayne's like, hey, don't move. Yep. Yeah. The man rushes at her, fires a crossbow over his shoulder, causing a Wayne-like yelp to come out of the alleyway. So there's where Wayne is. Grabs her, has a glass dagger at her neck, just as Wax drops back down, mist coat unfurling around him. Remember your hostage training, woman, she thinks. Most men take a hostage out of desperation. Could she use her allomancy? And then she kicks herself because, no, she hadn't swallowed any cadmium. Stupid. Okay, actually, stopping there. I can tell you something. Something came up that was funny this week that uh, should entertain you guys. So somebody posted something on uh, on Reddit about this guy went to uh, a museum or something and asked the docent, like, if we could go back in time and kill a T-Rex and cook it up, what would it taste like? And so the paleontologist decided, uh, who worked there decided to take this very seriously. They, they, they researched, like, everything that they could about, like, what gives meat its flavor, what can we tell from the bones of, like, or the fossils. And they concluded that the T-Rex probably would be very tough because there there's no evidence of, like, these fat pockets that you see in a meat that would make it more tender. Probably wouldn't – would taste very bitter because carnivores predators tend to taste not great. But also it would probably kill you because during that period – there's a lot of cadmium in the soil, and cadmium or heavy metals tend to make their way up the food chain. So the T-Rex would have ended up with a lot of cadmium in it, basically. Hmm. And so I took that and posted it in our Discord and was like, T-Rexes are cadmium mistings, confirmed. <laughs> and so it turned into this whole discussion of, first it was like, oh my gosh, there could be T-Rexes out there in like cadmium bubbles just waiting all this time with time moving way slower for them while it moved way faster for everyone else. They could drop them at any moment and just invade the, the, the world. And then it was like, what if they had other dinosaur allomancers in there? And so it started going like, what different dinosaurs would have different allomantic powers? And somebody was like, dude, like a, a, a slider, like, uh, like Wayne is in a Velociraptor would be freaking terrifying. Oh gosh. Yeah. I, like, I was thinking, Velociraptors would definitely have to be like the coin shots of the dinosaur world. 
I think that's what I said was the coin shots. It's like I was like, you can have a coin shot Velociraptor and like some some pewter arm Ankylosaurus or something. And I picture but, maybe a Stegosaurus as a Sutha. Ah, sure, I can see that. I don't know why that just that just this feel it feels right to me. But someone suggested the Vel- Velociraptor as like a steel runner, like the the fairing power where you can move really fast. And, Ooh, that's a good uh, one. I was like, ooh, that's really scary, too. So, yeah, whole discussion of uh, Alamancer dinosaurs. Does anyone? Yeah. Alamancer dinosaur, way better than dinosaur erotica. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring it up. They might combine them. No, yeah. Somebody somebody already was like, hey, that that's an e- Alamancer dinosaurs. is an easy lead in to this other dinosaur. And it's like, nope, nope, not doing it. Not going to happen. So everyone come up with your favorite dinosaur alamancer thing. But the best one, somebody put up an image in the Discord. It was like, I got two words for you, like soother pterodactyls. And it's like pterodactyls grabbing people and lifting them up. And the people are like, I am absolutely fine with this. Everything is normal. (laughs) Okay, that's pretty fucking good. I have no strong feelings one way or the other. Uh, So, yeah, no. Everyone come up with your favorite dinosaur mistings or, and uh, send them in. And also, if you can draw if you can draw pictures, please do, because that sounds fantastic. If somebody put in put in a picture of a T-Rex cowboy and was like, here's Arrow 2, like Mistborn Arrow 2 right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, yeah. Fun cadmium discussion this week. When we hit cadmium, I had to recount that. Uh, the wonders of cadmium. <laughs> oh, but... The end of that story about the museum is that uh, they sent all this information to the guy who had asked the question, and then he sent back a picture of him and his buddies cook, cooking up a T-Rex and then, like, vomiting and dying. And uh, the, sto- the story ends with, like, and this is – I still have that picture. It's my favorite picture ever. <laughs> what, the guy from the museum posted that? Uh, I, I – it, the whole the the tweet or whatever the screen capture was was like from the museum docent's perspective. I don't know that any of it's actually was actually real, but that was who supposedly was the writing it. That's cool. Yeah, I hope it was real. Absolutely, it's awesome. She's been captured. She had she didn't swallow any cadmium. She's like, damn it, the others would never make a mistake like that. And she's thinking she's going through her hostage training. Men who take hostages don't want to kill. This isn't part of the plan. You can talk him down. Speak comforting words, seek common ground. She didn't do any of that. Instead, she whipped her hand out of her handbag, gripping the small single-shot pistol she kept inside. And before even considering what she was doing, she pressed the barrel against the man's chin, pulled the trigger, and blew the bottom of his head out of the top. That's that's a way to put it. All right. And that's the end of our chapter. Marisai shoots a dude right there. Definitely some shock value in that. Yeah. That's going to be a mess, too, just like like we talked about when Vin headbutted that guy. Mm. OK, so we have uh, we have the uh, as as Dak said, it seems unlikely that Marksman is going to be the big bad for this book since he uh, is now dead with a, uh, a crossbow bolt through the brain. And whoever the guy is that killed him is also uh, his brains are not helping him very much at this point. So what do we think? Where is the story going? What kind of predicaments do we have for we're already 14% mm. of the way into the book, so, you know. Yeah, only in the first three chapters. So, I assume the Winston guy was a hit, probably, from the set, or Mr. Suit specifically, especially since he didn't show up. That's just my assumption. What that's what that's pertaining to would be, I, I assume, some kind of leverage on politicians in general. 
So that's maybe the the lines I'm connecting there. We didn't get the information from the marksman, and then and then uh, now our dear friend Marisai has blown up our only other lead. So that's probably not going to lead them anywhere. Unfortunately, maybe they'll find something on one of the bodies that will help them out. But for right now, doesn't look great for our heroes as far as leads go. But yeah, I think I think and I hope that. We're going to get more directly involved with the set and that this story is going to revolve around maybe finding those missing women, learning more about this book that Marsh gave. Maybe we'll unravel the mystery of why they have the women. Maybe it is for hemolytical purposes. But yeah, I think that's that's what, hopefully what we'll be seeing in this book. Yeah, I, I agree that like uh, Mr. Suit not showing up at the party makes him a prime candidate to be suspicious of and some sort of like grandiose, like political maneuvering seems like his style. Right. Yeah. That just seems like something he would definitely be in on for sure. That's yeah. I I think that's a good thought for starting uh, a starting prediction. Okay. So I was sort of banking on and hoping that maybe the ultimate villain for this book would be clamps come back for revenge (laughs) because we never found out what happened for him. But now I'm, I'm really looking forward to Boris the fourth. Yep. Can't, can't wait to see that comes. No, seriously. Um, <laughs> so, all right. So I actually don't think that Marisai has successfully killed the person holding him hostage because oh. I am leaning into this. The set is made up of a bunch of Kandra. So uh-huh. if the assassin that's holding her is actually a Kandra, I don't know if like a bullet's going to kill them. Yeah. Like, it might blow chunks of bone out so then they can't accurately recreate the person's head anymore. So... That might be a horrific visual of them chasing this guy with a malformed head down the road. But yeah, no, I feel like if I'm, I'm going whole hog on this Kandra thing, I think the set is made up of them. So maybe their assassin is also a Kandra and they're going to be freaked out and try and chase this guy down and work out what's going on. But yeah, somehow this is going to tie into the assassination of the, of the criminals at, at the auction. Obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have spent a whole chapter on that. But the connect the connecting factor is the fa- is the fact that Winston knew about Mr. Suit and knew who he really was, so he must have been part of the set as well. So I don't know. I maybe maybe the person who killed the marksman is the same person who killed all the people at the auction. Like it could mm. just be the set clean like cleaning up loose ends. It's like all right, this this person has been compromised for whatever reason. We need to get rid of them. So yeah. Whether or not that was a can't I don't know. Maybe Flog went upstairs, got killed, and a canter took their body and came back down and killed and killed Winston. I don't know, but yeah, I I, I really think that the person holding Marisai is Kandra. Okay, now, I'm I'm never gonna forgive you. You've got that picture in my head now of just like the headless body popping up and running off. Like, run, run as fast as you can. You'll never catch me. <laughs> Fan artist, draw this scene. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, okay. I like this. I like that you're you're leaning into your. I mean, the theory your your theories are working out. Uh, your percentages are pretty good last book. So yeah, I say I keep I say keep going for it. Yeah, yeah. Swing for the fences. Okay, so yes, I'm gonna also lean into the Kandra thing a bit, and I have two predictions. Bloody tan, bloody tan is. <laughs> <laughs> I can't I can't unhear it <laughs> from last book. I think Bloody Tan is dead and I do think that it's a candra oh. to mess with wax. That would make sense, yeah. Yeah, which sort of makes me think that if we're trying to mess with wax, 
And we know that Wax's uncle is Mr. Suit. Presumably Mr. Suit would also know about Lessie and that maybe we will see Lessie come back as a Kendra or a Kendra come back as Lessie, maybe to really mess with him, which is just awful. Really, Yeah, that's horrifying. It's possible, maybe. I don't want that for Wax, but, you know, it could be a thing. And even just a fleeting glimpse, maybe that's how it might be enough to lure Wax in well, yeah, somewhere. Yeah, sure it would. It shouldn't be. It would be. I mean, if you thought you'd saw Lessie. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think he would have uh, difficulty remembering the face of Bloody Tan. So, yeah. Anyway, that's my, my first one. Now, my other thought was, and I just need clarification, did we, we did not see the end of Ten soon, did we? Tensoon pulled out his spikes along with all the rest. I'm pretty sure we saw he him did? pull out his spikes. Yeah. But that, I mean, Conjure is still around, so that doesn't mean that they didn't all come back somehow. Yeah. So my thought was, what if Tensoon wrote the book? Hmm. Or another Kandra mm. wrote the book. Perhaps someone that knew Sazed enough to talk about Sazed as Saz. Yeah. And also had a bit of familiarity with Hemalurgy as well. So maybe it's not ten soon, but maybe maybe it was one of the original. Was the first generation? I don't know if there was anyone there. It's obvious. It's definitely happened after the fact, but they're talking about you know. Well, Bruin's not behind it anymore. It's not. It's not that bad, is it? Like, right. I mean, I, my first thought was spook, but yeah, maybe the high imperial thing might be might be it'd be different. But who would write a history? Who, who would they write a history about? that might report them in a different way. Could be a Kandra. Mm. Yeah, food, food for thought. Especially if we're going in that direction with hemology, we know what well, we've had confirmed that the Kandra are back and suspect that the set are Kandra and all that sort of stuff. So this is kind of jumping on that bad wagon. But they're my thoughts for this week. I'm really I'm really fascinated by the, the first one because, so, okay, if he actually saw Bloody Tan in the street, right, then mm. one of the very few reasonable explanations would be somehow a Chandra is impersonating Bloody Tan. Unless Bloody Tan has a twin brother out there or someone figured out how to disguise themselves or trick Wax in some way into thinking he saw something he didn't. Mm. The Chandra thing yeah. is an explanation that makes sense, right? It, it, it does make sense. The other thing that I thought was, and we, I think we toyed around with it in the last book, that he could heal himself. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. But I feel like it probably would happen quite quickly. Like, I can't imagine that Wax fired the shot and then. But, yeah, I know that's a good point. Like, you wouldn't think that he just wandered off and left the body behind. And apparently, if you can heal, you have to heal it, like, right away is what we kind of learned last time, right? Yeah, exactly. So I didn't think it was going to be likely. It's not impossible, but I didn't think it would be likely. So yeah. if if there's a conjurer with Bloody Tan's body. Either mm. there was one hanging around who grabbed it, maybe not terribly long after Wax shot him, or could he have been a Kandra all along? Oh, I didn't think about he could have been a Kandra all along. I thought someone might have just mm. known where to dig up his bones. So, yeah, so, I don't know. So, as soon as you said that, that's where my thoughts started going. I'm like, wait, was he always? Mm. And so it, it, that's just, it opens up all sorts of weird possibilities. Maybe that explains like the crazy shit he was saying somehow. I mean, yeah, maybe he could have already been tied up in that plot. Mm. I don't mind that thought. That's interesting. So, yeah. Okay. 
I like these these predictions. These are some strong. I like we're, we're starting out with some very strong predictions. Some. I'm just gonna like, go going to go in early. On. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just go right in right away. That's the way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So let me start out for next time. We're reading chapters four and five. So two more chapters for next time, everybody. Kind of a couple of meaty chapters, especially the second one. Like that, the, it's the, the, those two chapters are longer than the three chapters we read this time. So also we have some emails. We're filming this one in the next one or filming. We're recording this one in the next one, kind of back to back. So I'm, we have a bunch of emails. I'm going to do some this time. We're going to save some for next time. So if you send an email, you don't hear it yet. That's probably what happened is I'm going to want to have some that we can do next time, too, because we got like, yeah, we got like seven emails this time or something. Oh, wow. Right. And we're also going to be recording these kind of in a row. So, yeah. Yeah. So and uh, it's also we got a couple new reviews that I'm going to go into and uh, finding out matching reviews and patrons turned out to be trickier than I thought. So I decided to go a different way, which really makes the most sense to me now. And I'm like, how did I not think of this in the first place? So we're going to do is five star reviews. You Joe will assign you a misting just like always. You'll get to be a misting for people who join the Patreon. You will get a fairing power. And then people who have done both will just automatically be twin born. And it won't even be like Mm -hmm. Joe coming up with like a, Twinborn combination that sounds cool. It'll be really right. kind of random, which is more realistic to the actual world. Is that you get a couple of random powers and who knows what they end up being? So yeah, that's the way we're gonna handle it. Joe may not make the next episode we record, so I'm gonna try to do most of those today. We have we've got 20 patrons now, and so that may be a lot to throw on him at once. Maybe we'll do 10 now and 10 next time. But we're gonna do well not next time, <laughs> but the next time Joe is here, so that he can assign those uh, and. In the meantime, uh, we'll do both reviews, though, today. So let me hit that next. Our first review is from Ionic110, who says, Perfect for the first-time reader, but also great for the Cosmere-aware looking to do a deeper reread of the series. Data, the host, does an excellent job guiding his friends into the Cosmere beginning with the Mistborn trilogy and through Elantris and beyond. First-time readers will have a great time reading and listening along chapter by chapter without fear of spoilers. The format helps readers explore the series in more depth than I believe most do while reading straight through. The crew does an excellent job analyzing themes and plot points and have an uncanny ability to suss out little bits of foreshadowing sprinkled throughout the series. I'm amazed at the predictions they come up with, whether eerily accurate or wildly off the mark, and their ability to back them up with details from the books. Love this podcast and the energy of the crew. I feel like you've read that review before. I don't think so. It this sounds is, very familiar to this me. This was left on 4.13, so, hmm. like, the only episode I could have read it on was the last one, and we didn't do any on the last one. Yeah, I don't know. I've just, I feel like I have heard every single thing you just said before, unless hmm. somebody reposted the review. But even if they did, that's Not okay. I'm just going to say, hey, thanks for your words. You really soothed us, you soother you. <laughs> <laughs> And okay, the second one. Thank you, Ionic one one zero. Although that name does sound familiar to me now that you say that. I don't know. It, it, yeah, this is an... going to create a whole time rift where I've already assigned yep. him a different Could one. Could be. And... I mean, I'm using this chartable website to track them, and it's entirely possible somehow like uh, an old one got thrown in there by that. But I'm going by what it said. So anyway, if he got, if, if he or she got to, or they, then you know, good for you. Yeah, good for you. Uh, the second one is from Old Woman Josiah. 
and it says favorite read-along podcast i've been listening since sometime during hero of ages and this is definitely my favorite read-along podcast i've found this would be a six-star review but joe spookslander had to knock it down oh yeah you've definitely read that before too you've read definitely both of those before really i don't remember these i don't remember yes i remember that because i remember the slight on me yeah i don't remember that Hold on. Now we're going to look Apple Podcasts. This Andrew. I'm going to look at the actual Apple Podcast site to see when these were left, assuming that it tells me, because now I want to know. Couldn't be couldn't be posting like as a, a memory, maybe? Although that first one did mention Elantris, too, so there's only really a book. Yeah, it's relatively recent, yeah. Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. No, both of those on Apple's actual website say they came in 4.13.22. Uh, I'm telling you, I... Maybe maybe I'm from another timeline myself, but <laughs> I I heard both of those reviews before verbatim, and I don't go read these myself. So did um, Data, did you read them to him some other time when we weren't here? Maybe I don't think so. Or when you guys were just chatting or something? No, maybe. I don't. Think so. I don't but it's that's possible, not something he but I don't think so. Yeah, I don't do that generally. Well, I'll go ahead and assign you as well, since you slighted me. You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. I guess you can be since you like spooks so much, you can be a you could be a tin eye. That's fine. I thought he was gonna yeah. throw like aluminum gnat in there or something. Nah, well, I'm not gonna honestly, be that guy. <laughs> I honestly thought because it sort of got Joe's hackles up a bit, maybe this guy was a writer. Uh, <laughs> old woman Josiah. So okay. Now we're gonna jump over and look at our patrons. And actually old woman Josiah is one of them also. So hold on, let me Oh cool. okay. Let me view uh, our list here. If I can, I'm I'm still pretty new to Patreon, so I'm like, where's my list of people? Well, I already have one for old woman Josiah, so I'm just gonna get that out of the way. You okay. you had a you you, you quick witted me. You know, you're storing lots of wit. You're a sparker. So take your tin eye, take your sparker, whatever <laughs> that makes. That's the twin born you are. Uh, Is there a shot? Yes, he has the chart for uh, fairing powers. Well, yeah, I have the chart for fairing. I don't have the chart for Twinborn. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. Is, like, is there a chart for Twinborns? No, I don't think there is actually. Like, I, I'm not sure. That, like... I'm not sure we know many of those names. Yeah. So you're a ten eye sparker. So basically, you got you got ten and uh, and you got iron. No, no, no. That's physical weight. You got uh, you got zinc. Ten and zinc. Yeah, he was like, you'll you'll start assigning them fairing powers. And I was like, I have no idea what fairing powers. <laughs> you're gonna have to send me a chart. Okay. Like yeah, you do do like a chart. You got like the mis- the misting powers on the on the x axis and the yeah. fairing powers on the y axis, and then like you got squares that you can connect them up like that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's do. Well, you know what? We'll, we'll do the 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 shard of adenosium level people first, and then. Uh... Net will as we they're progress. Sh- they're shards. They're beyond. Yeah, we got to give them something. That, I mean, right. old woman, old woman Josiah was one of those actually. So. Okay. But we now have ten of those. That means there's only six spots left available. Dear God. I know, right? Uh, you guys are insane. But we yes. Love you, Thanks for liking us, though. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate the heck out of it. Believe me. So okay. We'll, yeah, we'll do that. We'll do those this week, and then we can come back to the others uh, on sure. a different. That w- that way, it'll help me remember which ones we've already done. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the next one is Jaden. Jaden. Jaden, my friend, is a shard. You are a blood maker. Oh, nice. That's that, that's a good fairing power. I like that. Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, Brennan. Brennan, my friend, you're a spinner. You store that fortune. It's Canadian. 
Sorry, I was looking. I was looking at the currency on here. Okay, then we already did old woman Josiah. Then we have Alex. Alex. Uh, let's see, Alex. I think you're a subsumer. You store that energy up. Alex, who uh, is Swedish, it looks like. So thank you. Uh, the next one is Ashwin. Ashwin. Uh, Ashwin is a really cool name. I'm going to say that you are a soul bearer. You store the mighty investiture. Wow. I think Ashwin's a name that you would see in uh, in here. Like maybe even like a terrace name, like Tindwill. Yeah. It gives me that same feel. Yeah, me too. Ethan. Ethan. Ethan, you store warmth. You're a fire soul. Mm-hmm. I like these so, names. Yeah. They are. They're very, the fairy names are all kind of cool so far. Uh, the next one is someone we've heard. We've gotten a couple emails from not uh, too long ago. Arad. Arad, man, you're always alert. You're storing that wakefulness. You're a sentry, my friend. We've got the person who requested to only be known as Mr. Suit. Um, you archivist, you. You're just like sazed. I like archivist. That's one that I would want to be. Yeah, that one's cool. Uh, let's see. Jean-Marc. Jean-Marc, you are a steel runner, my friend. Ooh. Nice. And finally, Brendan. Brendan, you store true self identity. You store identity as your true self. Hmm. Interesting. Okay, so that was our shard of Adonalsium backers. We will go back and do the other levels in the next episode Joe is on. Yeah. So, so next uh, next episode, I'll I'll try and record something so you guys can get my thoughts, but I, I won't be here for the episode. I always try to record my thoughts so I don't like so it's like, you know, it's as if I've never missed an episode of the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much, uh, and everyone who's backed on the Patreon, and congratulations to all of you new fairings and twinborn out there. You are now part of we can't even it's not even the misting crew anymore because we got like fairings in here now. Yeah. Even, like I the, mean, the metal clan. No wait, that's taken. That's an avatar thing. Yeah. Cosmere <laughs> uh, crew. Yeah, Cosmere crew. Okay. Oh, like that's it. good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, emails. That's that was the next thing. So I'm gonna read a couple of these, and I, I called out the ones that were specifically uh, relating to Joe, so that he wouldn't miss any. That email sent it to us. So the Sam first Lynch one at gmail.com. The first one is also from Jean-Marc. Wait, did I say the email address correctly? The Sander Lynch at gmail.com. I, I don't know what you said. I, I did reading. say it correctly. All right. Good. 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 I don't check our email for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, that would be bad. Jean-Marc says, hi, Sander Lanch crew, longtime listener, first time emailer. I've always wanted to write an email to you guys, but never knew what I would say. So let me now say, Joe, you are a genius and smarter than me for coming up with that prompt in the recent episode about early podcast listeners and their journey. You can also isolate and use that audio clip for whenever Data's ego gets too big. Oh, interesting. I don't have the exact date as to when I started. I switched podcast apps in April or May of 2020. I had just finished my last Cosmere podcast, and so it was perfect timing for you guys to release this one. Ever since then, I've been loving the podcast. You guys have great banter and excellent format. I have two small children and so often listen to the podcast while I do housework. I look forward to every Monday for the next episode to drop. I joined the Discord when it came out in December. This was my first time joining a podcast Discord, but it turned out to be an awesome experience and community. I don't currently have any friends who read Sanderson, so this is a great space to discuss theories and chat about the episodes. I've joined some other Discord since, but just haven't found the same connection I have to this one. Data, you do, you've do you done a great job moderating it. Keep up the great work. 
I do a minimal job moderating it. I'm like, you guys, uh, everyone, everyone who has joined the Discord has actually been really cool. And uh, so I really appreciate uh, the community on Discord that uh, has come together for our podcast. They're all super awesome. Uh, sorry, back to the, the reading. Now, I don't want to drone on for too much longer, but I just want to say I'm so glad you're all enjoying the books so far. I know you just finished Alloy of Law. It will always hold a special place in my heart since it was my first Cosmere book that I read. Weird place to start, I know, but I was looking for a book to read at the time, and my friend had that one lying around. Mistborn Era 2 wasn't actually as bad a place to start as you'd think. It was quick, easy read, easy to get into, a fairly self-contained story, and all of the Era 1 mentions and Easter eggs just flew right over my head. After that book, I went straight, read the original trilogy, and from there consumed the rest of the Cosmere. Anyway, looking forward to yeah. getting to the rest of Era 2 as well as the now-confirmed Possum Hunter episode. So. <laughs> uh, you know, that's very interesting, because I've, I I did think about that myself. I said, wouldn't it be interesting if I had started with Alloy of Law and then gone back and maybe even read through all of the books that have, for that that had come out so far and then just gone back and read the first three and been like oh my gosh that's what this is look at this <laughs> like i'm not I, you know we're not we don't get those we get aha moments but it's like i feel like it would be more interesting like to do it a different way and like get the back the like the retro aha moments like the oh that's what they're talking about like ellen is ellen dell like because you know if we'd read ellen dell and then we went back and read the first book and we read ellen then we would have been like oh that guy's definitely an important dude right you guys probably would not have uh, suspected him of being secretly evil as much as uh yeah we did. that's yeah, true right? we did suspect him to be evil for quite a while but you know if you read thick books what else are we supposed to do <laughs> <laughs> oh but that was that was yeah that would be a very interesting way to go about it mm -hmm. um not the way we chose to go oh well uh, no and i'm not saying we should have i just you know just <laughs> just thinking about the forking paths of the mind uh, our next email is from Michael. Says, Good morning, Sanderlanch crew. Happy Monday, and I'm glad you guys have finally finished Alloy of Law. I love Arrow 2, and I'm super hyped for it to finish in the fall, as well as the Le Leatherbound release this summer. I'll pause there for a second to say that Brandon, for anyone who does not know, because these are smaller books than the previous Leatherbounds he's released, he decided to wait past the 10th anniversary of Alloy of Law and then release both of them on like, the 10th anniversary of Shadows of Self as like a, a set of two leather bounds that would go together so that oh, that's nice. Apparently the pricing works out kind of weird if you're trying to do these smaller ones and it's like not as much cheaper as you would think. So yeah, that's what's coming up with those for anyone who like me collects these leather yeah. bounds and is interested in that. Yeah. Uh, Michael goes on to say, I appreciate Joe calling data on his smugness and knowing what's going to happen brings a good chuckle, uh, chuckle while, uh, while listening. <laughs> this guy reads from a car. <laughs> Because, <laughs> yeah, that was that was after that episode where uh, I was like, man, whatever that means. And you're like, shut the hell up. You know what it means, damn it. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny sometimes when you do it, but uh, when you're like, yeah, oh, gosh, guys, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm like, Well, how do you on. know that I know? I mean, that could be something that still hasn't been explained, whatever it was. Yeah, we're talking about. It could be, but it's more fun to assume that, you know. <laughs> OK, uh, Data, I was wondering if you were going to bring up the theory that Alamancer Jack is actually spook. And the interesting thing is, before mm. I got this email, I had never heard that. And really? then I went out I went out and searched for it, and there is apparently a theory out there that Alamancer Jack is secretly spook because he's 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 uh, he uses tin so much 
and some people think that maybe he is a misborn and that's how he's so successful in his adventuring but he focuses so much on tin and spook was a tin eye to begin with so maybe there's like a a connection there i mean okay yeah alamancer jack is a much better name than alamancer spook that's for sure (laughs) i guess we gotta then so what did Kelsey coach him on getting an Atium hemologic spike put through him so he could survive the 300 years? Because we know that Alamance Jack knows Renette, so yes, that that places at current day, which yep. means he has to survive three centuries. Yep. So I mean, I wouldn't put it past the guy. Yeah, but where are you going to get like the Atium, like the power from? Like or, the, if the fer- yeah. has been diluted that much, does that power even exist anymore? Where are you going to get the Adium spike? It's all being Where are you going to get the Adium metal from? So yeah, that's, that's the biggest deal. Well, I mean, it. if, uh, you know, maybe he's found different ways if he's been, like, tra- world hopping with Kelsier. And there's also, uh, I mean, yeah, he could have found different ways to live that long. You're absolutely right. There's, yeah, like Miles referred to it as the lost yeah. metal. So presumably the only Adium left that exists is in, in Marsh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless, of course, you know, like we talked about, this is the time frame when it should have started growing back. True. Yeah, currently there could be more. We What we do know is uh, that back at the end of the third book, Marsh shows up to the fight and he has Adium. And he's like, hey, look, I found this bag of Adium. Some conjurer was wandering around trying to sell it. Oh, that's true. Yeah. So that, I mean, <laughs> because you do have to expend some and burn it to, you know, keep yourself young. We know that Marsh's stash. That's how Marsh is surviving this long. And so we don't know how fast it burns to keep young. So we don't know if Marsh still has plenty left. Is towards the end of his stash. We don't know. Yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. As far as the growing back thing goes, I assume that because Ruin's power is no longer concentrated there because they weren't hiding all the adium under there originally, mm-hmm. it's it's no longer emanating outwards to regrow the geodes because that was the only place they grew because of the presence of all the adium beneath it, and that was Ruin's power mm-hmm. leaking out. Yeah, mm-hmm. Ruin's so like, power was leaking from now, right? So now that they burnt all the stuff that was there, it's not emanating out anymore, so it can't yeah. still be growing there, right? Well, so what Marsh does is he shits out <laughs> Adium oh, now. No. Like, uh, like oh my God. ships. <laughs> well, I mean, the Adium grew there first. It didn't necessarily have to do with the, the cache of Adium that they had hidden there. That's just where oh, okay, Ruin's that... power was sequestered, kind of. Right, okay. I thought it was because, like, the cache there was, that was Ruin's body and the power was leaking out and causing it to regrow. I thought that, I thought that followed that, not the other way around. No, I think that it's just... I think that it, it's not related to them the keeping the big pit full of adium there. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that's right. And uh, and really, it's almost just a yeah. coincidence that it's right next to where the Conjure homeland is. And that it's like, hey, it's convenient that we don't actually – most of the adium never has to leave the pits because they just can shove it aside to the Conjure homeland. Well, I assume they established their homeland there because the Lord Ruler knew that's where the Adam was mm. and he wanted them to be close by. To yeah, yeah, that's a good point. He was getting them to guard it. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. But, um, so one of the things that, uh, and maybe related to that, because really, preservation hit a bit of Ruin's power there to keep Ruin from being strong enough to destroy the world, right? That's what the Adam was. Now that Sazed has both powers, there's no need for that. Like, Ruin doesn't need a part of the power segmented off, right? Because say it's holding it. So that raises the question of whether Adium would ever show up at all. But uh, something that someone has asked Brandon is because you have to remember originally preservation and ruin fell out of balance because to create sentient life, preservation had to give up a little more of himself and put that into human life. 
that's what created the imbalance in the first place, which then he mm. tried to remedy by stealing some of Ruin's power and hiding it also. So people are like, well, I mean, there's still sentient life. So does that mean that Sazed, he's holding these two powers, is he slightly more Ruin than he is Preservation? Yeah, it would make sense, though, f- for him to go ahead and sequester some Adium on the planet somewhere, just like, just like, uh, just like they did to keep it in balance. Yeah, and that's and Brandon has uh, has responded to that, be like, yeah, I mean, he'd have to find something to do with that extra ruin power, wouldn't he? Bum bum so, bum. Hmm. So yeah, that's the implication that there may be Adium showing back up because they would have to go somewhere. So we don't know for sure, but that's the that's what people are thinking, kind of. Sorry, back to Michael says, can't wait for you guys to get to the end of the next book, and then spoilers. <laughs> uh, wasn't to the time of next, Michael. So. He's excited for y'all to experience the the fun stuff that I won't read for you about what happens at the end of the Sure. <laughs> and uh, the, the last email we will read for today is from Vigo. The Carpathian or more Tennyson? No. Or your neither. cat. Yeah, well, and it, it, that comes up. So Vigo says, hey, hi, guys. I'm not sure you remember me. I left a review a few months back. I've been meaning to send you a mail for a while now, but I kept on forgetting. When Joe said he wanted to hear from old time listeners, I figured this was the time. I have a few different thoughts. So here we go. One, Data, I approve on the name for the cat. <laughs> Two, I don't know if I'm the only one, but I kept keep thinking of the orangutan from the Jungle Book whenever I think of the Coloss wanting to be human. Now <laughs> I want to be like you. I want a musical number now with human the Coloss sure. singing about that. He wants to walk like you. It does. Like you. It, it does take an element of the the scariness of a Coloss out of it, doesn't it? <laughs> Although if they started like a musical routine, this bunch of Coloss. I don't know. I'd be any less terrified. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a different kind of scary. But uh... yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Number three. And we've lost Dax. Yeah, Dax's gone. <laughs> that's that's the next stretch goal. The cool oh, musical God. number. Uh, just to cut it all off. There, give that man ten thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> give him the five thousand quatlus. God, that's just made my day. I don't think any of us can write music, so they're not going to be a, a Coloss musical number. No, no. Well, in fairness, the Coloss might not be able to write music either, so. True, yep. Just outright steal the tune from something else and just put their own words to it. That's how the Coloss roll. Yeah. Number three, thanks, Joe, for the misting power. If I was choosing my own misting power, steel pushing is probably what I'd go for. For me, it would depend on whether I could. I got the power on Earth and was the only one, or if I'd been transported to Skadriel. I'm not sure it would change anything for you guys, but if I chose a twin-born power on Earth, I would choose double zinc, rioting and mental speed. Well, if I was on Skadriel, double steel for steel pushing and speed. Any thoughts? Yeah, I don't know if on Earth would be different. For That's a good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, I I think if we were we were on Earth and we were the only ones with said power, I would probably want steel. Because then you could like you know jump around a bunch, jump fly around, real high, you, could, you do all sorts of cool like stuff. Basically, you could just like fly pretty much. So that'd be pretty cool. That would be awesome. I like the idea that on Earth you do double sync, so you could emotionally manipulate people, and you could have super like compound mental speeds to be like the fastest thinker ever both like under the radar so no one on earth would necessarily know that you were like super although on earth i might go for the luck thing so that i could you know uh hit some casinos 
sure. you know what? The f- first thing that pops into my head when we talk about al- alimantic powers on Earth is like, man, anyone who works in customer service wants to be a soother so that when they start getting shitty customers, mm. they can just like, no, 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 you're not angry at us. It's all good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And actually, yes, in a general work context, sometimes that would be really useful. Oh, yeah. What if you could yeah. project um, your power via email? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that's the thing. Yeah, Over the phone true. via email. Yeah. Yeah. Just make your boss calm the heck down. It's like, yo, bro, it's okay. Make someone actually listen to you when you're in a meeting and they're completely ignoring all the things you're saying because they're idiots. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're ignoring you. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyways on onward number four i've been listening since the first or second episode aired i don't quite remember i was scrolling through spotify listening to the first episode of every cosmere podcast i found and you guys were definitely the best i have to say that i love the pacing of your podcast a lot of others went through the books way too fast and skipped a lot of details that's that, good yeah that's good that's bad uh number five my impression of Lorassium alloys was that you'd only need a 16th of a full Lorassium bead to make yourself a misting. So if you made alloys of all 16 metals, it would be the exact same as just eating the Lorassium bead. If you made the alloys, however, you could choose not to take metals that you don't want, like aluminum or nicrosyl, and instead use that 16th to double the power of another metal. Or you could power up one metal 16 times and become insanely powerful in that one metal. I'm not sure that's how that actually works, but that's a cool idea. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure that that's how that works either, because I think we established the only reason Alland is a better, like, straight-up better, stronger Alamancer than, say, Vin, is because he got the full investiture and hers right. was passed down. Yeah. Mm. So that's interesting. Well, okay, so that was the end of that one. Thank you, everyone, for the emails. And like I said, we've got several more that I'm going to save for tomorrow when we record our next episode, next week for everyone else. So uh, if you haven't heard yours yet, just keep listening. I, I'm not throwing any of them in the trash, I promise. <laughs> if anyone would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Patreon and all sorts of places on the interwebs. For the for the month of May, as we've kind of previously addressed, we're going to be a little we're, – we're playing a little bit fast and loose. So, you know, if you send in some one time, it may be a while before you hear it if uh, it's going to be a while before we record next episode. So just, you know, throwing that out there, letting you guys know. We're going to try. It looks like we may end up skipping a week. Going to try not to make it more than one, which is why we're going to do an episode when Joe can't make it, uh, because there's other weeks where nobody can make it. So, yeah. But uh, thank you, everyone. Really appreciate it. Uh, we've had a lot of new people in the Discord. I was telling I was telling about if anyone would like a link to the Discord, I'm going to try to start including them more in the episode summaries. But if you can't find one easily, just email thesanderlanch at gmail.com. I will happily send you a link. I've had people find me on uh, on Reddit and send me a message on there. Hey, can you send me a link? I'm always happy. So just wherever you find me, I, I will happily provide you a link to the Discord. Uh, I That and the people are like, yeah, you should put a link to that in every episode. You've put a link to the Patreon in every episode now. And I'm just like, I, I was trying not to crowd up the episode summaries with too much repeat stuff that's just always there in, in big chunks. Uh, but maybe that maybe it's just me that that would bother and not everyone else. I don't know. So remember for next time, two more chapters, four and five. Some nice meaty chapters to get us into the start, start hitting into the heart of this book. It's going to be, mm. it's going to be a fun ride. This one, everyone I'm, I'm excited for it. Although I say that about almost every book, so maybe it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> means you mean nothing. It, it means just, nothing. I didn't say it about Alamancer. It Jones. does feel 
No, that's fair. Uh, it does feel like a bit of a quicker start, more <laughs> eventful start than what we've had before. I think we are in for an exciting ride. I mean, even the last book, which was very short and got us going real quick, we still had to, like, learn who Wax was and find out about his situation before things, like, really kicked off. Now we don't have to do that anymore. There were a few chapters of him just jumping around the city, moping a bit. Meeting yep. Steris like for the first time. Mopster. This, this this one, like, sort of, it started, it sort of reminded me of, like, a James Bond movie. It's like, you know, you got the, you, all right, there's the flashback at the start, but then there's the inciting incident with presumably, like, the like the you know the bad guys all getting killed and then you got wax and wayne out on the job and then they're gonna that's gonna tie into what they saw in the first scene they'll have their debriefing or whatever and then they get into action let's go yeah i think i think even with movies that's a very sequel thing where it's like in in die hard 2 you don't have to introduce every or in die hard 3 is even better you don't have to introduce everyone to john mcclain at this point they know who john mcclain is so you see the beginning the bad guy starting trouble and then you just throw him in there like in the middle of the situation and he has to go and Stand. It's like in the first in his first minute on screen, he has to go and stand on a street corner wearing a horribly offensive sign that's going to get him killed because you yeah. can do that in the sequel. Right. Yep. Yep. Good times. Uh, music by Miracle of Sound. Make sure I get that. Out there. And, and you uh, this book, right? Yes. I, I uh, thank you for reminding me the song for this one. I did end up going with my original plan. I just I, I couldn't toss it aside after having it in my brain <laughs> for so long. So it is the Batman song, The Mind of the Bat. Because, the Mind uh, of the Bat. Even in, in even in just the section we read today, Wax has a very Batman feel where he's out there vigilanteing after the criminal, the the, uh, the superpowered mm. criminal around the city. Yeah, the guy's like, I, I'm a hero. You shot a child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't feel bad for Marksman uh, being dead either, uh, you know, after finding out uh, what no. he did, so. Although he seems to see himself as like a Robin Hood sort of guy. So thanks everyone for listening and wasing to the time of next. Cold oh.